Welcome to The Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I'm in conversation with an American interdisciplinary student, artist, and practitioner born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, where they continue to work today. Their practice centers the sum of their lived experience, a journey of mind, body, soul expressed with many different mediums, mindsets, rituals, ceremonies, and passions they experience consistently. Not limiting their art practice or perspective of self as a creator and as an artist to just the physical task of making work. Please welcome Brian Surya. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I'm always like in awe whenever I hear my bio because I'm like, yo, that sounds like an actual person. <laughs> I need to work on mine. Uh, I've been asked more and more. So can you send us a bio? I was like, podcaster, black, fat, tall. <laughs> or it's like, or do you just like get like super existential and just like, I'm just, I'm just constantly becoming. I could, I could. And that's just me going full Aquarius in it. Cause uh, I think someone was telling us like, oh, you, you're Aquarius. I like fake deep. I was like, look, chill. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't being married to an Aquarius, I yeah. can say I don't think Aquariuses are fake deep. I just think the deepness goes to a place that you're just not mentally ready to handle. This is this is true. This because is like because people but when people get into that whole like oh time is just a like, like time is just a construct. I'm like, you don't know an Aquarius, obviously. <laughs> you you will talk to an Aquarius and think time is like a Kellogg cereal or something like they will take it to the to the most stretches of the universe and bring it back and make you think wow wow <laughs> you you really thought about this <laughs> you really you really put some time in this and, and as a person who for about three years I dated a cancer we would have the she's like why can't it just be normal it's like it's never normal baby it's always weird but um before we get too deep, and this is almost a continuation of the conversation we were having for like an hour before we actually got started with the real podcast. Uh, I, I want to open it up by, um, and I know this is going to be a challenge because, you know, it's either a challenge or it's going to be really easy. But can you share your story with us, like the the sort of like the art, the creative story, uh, including your background um, and maybe your first experience with creativity? And I have a third one, but I at least want to start off there. Um, yeah, I had the pleasure of being um, raised by two like extremely like complex and interesting people. Um, my mom uh, has had the same job um, since she was 14. Oh. No, 16, 16, had the same job since she was like 16 years old, um, is someone who I like. Like when I when I think about like someone who just like it's like wow like you're you're really a person like that's who I think about because man that lady is crazy um, yeah and a dad that was just like really focused on experiencing life in very like authentic ways even though it like those that that authenticity wasn't always good. I give you sounds. Um, yeah, I like, and it, it's funny too. Whenever people ask me now about my story, because I think there's so much like decolonizing that's happened within my own mind about my perspective, my like thoughts of self, and um, a lot of compassion that I have been able to like develop for myself that I can now extend to my parents. Because I think sometimes, especially as like like racialized black people. It's like it's especially if you're in a creative field, everyone's like, so so like your mom was a crackhead, right? Like <laughs> she was she was she was smoking her kneecaps off, right? Your daddy, yeah, your daddy was making ramen noodles in the in, in Jessup, wasn't he? He wasn't around, was he? <laughs> that yeah. whole thing. Yeah. I bet I listen, listen, I bet he got in there and dipped off. It's like, oh no, I grew up with my both my parents in my life. You're like, no, but like your mom was crackhead, right? And she used to smoke off of food stamps. I'm like, no, no, not at all. Oh, but but y'all lived in the projects, right? No, no, not really. But but you know that like that's that's how we identify black people. Like you, like what's your what what struggle are you here with? Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
None. Um, wasn't wasn't great math back in the day. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I I just feel like <laughs> it feels so much better to think about to think about the fact that I was raised by two people who did the very best with what they had in the moment, <laughs> and within that, still made a lot of purposeful and intentional. Um, opportunities for themselves to experience joy and happiness. I find that way better than being like, oh, uh, uh, so and so was single, and 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 both parents were in the household, and 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 sometimes things got hard. And it's like, I like I I always get like, I always cry a little inside whenever. Well, that's very that's very cancerian of me to say. Um, but I always like I always get really sad whenever I see people, especially especially uh um men who like get accolades or get on stage and they're like yeah i came from nothing i came from the trenches i came from the bottom the dirt got it out the mud (laughs) yeah all you see is this woman sitting in the front seat like and in your mind you're like imagine Mm -hmm. imagine watching someone say that and you worked like four jobs Mm-hmm. Just to just to keep the bare minimum happening. Imagine hearing someone say that, and for like a week straight, all you ate was ramen noodles. So that way, they had a, a hot lunch every day. And yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, wow, being being that like number one, that narrow minded, but also just being that like uncompassionate and. I think in a lot of ways selfish is just like no like I my story is I've been dozens of people places things organisms before now as I exist now in this space I am the product of two very amazing people and some very great experiences and um yeah, my childhood was pretty okay. Um, I, I I will say things got bumpy. Things did get a little bumpy once I got to like my dad uh, getting deployed. That's when I think my like, my first. I always think too because um, whenever people ask me too about like my creativity, I think it had to happen mm. around that time as well. Um. Because he got deployed, and I was like, and every everything in the media during the like height of like Bush and Iraq was like, yo, like they dying out there, like mm-hmm. hotcakes every day, eight thousand dead, gone. And I'm like, as a kid, I'm like, bro, and it's like I like was computers weren't really like that as like they are now. So like, if you did have a webcam, that was crazy. If you had a webcam and was able to chat with someone in Kuwait, that was crazy. So, like, I had to kind of get creative. I had to get really creative. Um, circumstances ended me up. Circumstances of just being, like, a kid that was really misguided um, in a lot of ways. Really really uh, mentally ill and undiagnosed. Um, got me in some different places. And I ended up at a... Uh, a um, well, wait, I'm I'm like I'm stretching. I'm stretching. So I'm like <laughs> I'm stretching a little bit. Let's like uh let's go back to the question. The question was like my story, right? Hating um, stuff, guys. No <laughs> <laughs> I'm like about to like go into like the lifetime movie. Um No, but it's real things that are that are baked into it and I and I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention like during that time, like I'm probably about ten years older than you. I think you're what, twenty six, twenty seven or what have you, right? Yeah. And so, you know. 9-11 all of that stuff in you know 20 plus years ago i was like 17 18 and my dad was just in our ear yo i hope they don't do a draft again because it's wild so literally not a, a, a really able to be a kid during that time with that in the back the backdrop of this constant state of fear and if you look at that as almost a starting point of you know, pretty much anyone that was a kid, a uh, teenager, what have you, moving through, you just had like this, this, this sort of like fear or the shadow of fear that's just been baked in. And 
I'm waiting for the anthropology. I'm waiting for this, the, the reports, the data to come out or the data, if you're an ass, to come out to say like, yo, this is this type, the type of work that was happening from people of this generation, this cohort. However, in this sort of like constant, this orange alert, these, 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 these different things that were out there had some sort of impact in it. So, you know, definitely, I think it is, is important to, you know, key in on that. Cause it's, it's, it's part of like, you know, you, you touched on it where you're looking at creativity, you know, being able to think uh, maybe more agile, but please continue. Yeah. It's, um, it's really weird because I think sometimes too, it's like people will break it up like, well, tell me about your childhood or like, tell me about what got you into art or or tell me about what, uh, I don't know, like, tell me why you, 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 you collect rocks in the house. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I like, it's, I just, um, I don't know. I definitely feel like I just existed for like a really long time. Like I'm even now, like when I try to recall certain pieces of like my like adolescence or growing up it's it's all things that i'm still like through like through spiritual practice through um further development i'm still like even unlocking like there's still things i like i'll come back to that i'm like wow it really took me like 16 years to remember that this happened or like it took me like 20 years to remember that this happened um but i think as like a as like a sum and like, you know, maybe I'll have like my, um, like my like Oprah couch moment in a couple of years and I'll like really gotta go into it. Um, I think for the most part, I was just a, a weird alternative black kid who grew up in West Baltimore and, um, never owned a pair of Jordans. Yeah. Listen, West, hey, listen. West if Baltimore did, as well? This interview is over. <laughs> if I did actually own a pair of Jordans as a kid, it was definitely like like the Jordan like 26. <laughs> like it 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 was definitely like it was definitely fifty dollars from Foot Locker or it was like the like Shaq shoes from Walmart. I, I used I mean I remember at one point as a as a bit we went out there to me and a couple of my friends went out there to Stephen Barry's and got the Starberry joints. Yeah, and the Ben Wallace joints. Yeah, we all there in those streets getting it. Or there was like there was one shoe in particular <laughs> I remember having because even like from like even thinking about where like my mind was for design as a young kid, I remember having this. Um, I keep saying in my mind I would like file it under Jay Z shoe, but it said like it said like Sean Carter on it. It was a oh, black the, and gray. The S. Dot Carters. Yes, that shoe is the first shoe I remember like. Owning and being like, oh no, like this is a fresh shoe. Like this shoe was <laughs> like, <shoe> hard. <laughs> I had a pair of those. I had a pair. Of those. I, had the, I had like the uh, the white ones because they had like the uh, the very crisp signature on there. Mm-hmm. That's the first shoe I ever remember cleaning <laughs> and being like, nah, like like these the steppers right here. Did Did you have a button up all with it? And the pants were a little too baggy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, that's that's the fit. Actually, that's the that's the you know the, the show me what you got fit. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you know I'm about to I'm outside I'm ready to mess up my only Stacy Adams dress shirt. It just say Stacy Adams. Good. Oh, it wasn't shit. good. <laughs> so, so 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 with that, I, I want to um, so we we kind of I think got the that sort of introductory piece in there but i want to maybe shift one of the questions a little bit for for those who who are undipped let's let's kind of like you know what sorts of mediums are you working with because we have like the the the, yeah. the very robust introduction or what have you but for those who don't who, who aren't really dipped tell, tell them about the uh the mediums that you're working in yeah as a um it's funny i always like think uh think about the difference between like the word artist like the 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 branding of like the identifier artist and creator mm-hmm. um especially now but like i really think of myself as like as a creator and the spaces i create within um everything photo ceramics um video performance art primarily for me it tends to be painting but I found as my practice has grown that I, if it just feels good, it's, it's up. Like I, I'm kind of getting out of this, 
idea of what I think a traditional artist like is or does or says or like what the career is and even what that title as artist is. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh no, well, I'm not like, I'm not painting Medici family portraits. Like, <laughs> we doing some like extracurricular, like next level over here. Like this, this, this is not that. Is it? And is I, that I think like yeah, like a pre conversation we were having. I was yeah. talking about like not taking opinions from people like wearing like banana republic jeans i'm like no like that's can't come over here like that you gotta stay over there i can't do that with like the folks that pull up on me with like the patagonia like vest on with the dress shirt under it it's just like i, I don't i don't know if you have a lot in common bro i, I don't what do you want to get yeah I don't, I don't know i'm always like it's fine to shout out to all the, shout out to anyone that's listening that knows that knows that i know you and i always see you in one of those vests but it's like yeah. <laughs> It's like number one, number one, you look like you about to say the word BIPOC and it's gonna make me mad. Um like, <laughs> it's like I don't like I don't like when people say that word. Um number one, because it's not even a word. And number two, it's just like I'm like, wow. Right? This is crazy. Cause they they really just like lumped us all together into an acronym that no one asked for. It's it's a way of bucketing things in a way, but I think that speaks on some of the stuff when it comes to like how how art and our funding specifically looks it's like well you know when i describe what i do or what have you and they go through great lengths to try to articulate it right and and i and, and i don't think i should but i try just for sake of simplicity and it's like well i don't know if we would fund something like that but it's like but you funded this you funded this and it does both of those things you funded radio like, oh, it's not an art or it's journalism. That's not quite this. It's so many things instead of a thing that's fundable. And and, it, and it's just interesting when we get to this spot to go back to what you were touching on a moment ago, like definitions. You know, like I like I kind of got out of for a bit using the word podcast because it felt deprecated. It's like, you yeah. know, so many people get into that zone and there are podcasts popping up left and right. And as I say all the time, most of them aren't good. No. And it's, as you said, you know, when we were talking beforehand, it's just, uh, some of y'all ain't saying anything. Yeah. But I, but I think that's what stops a lot. I think that's what creates a lot of friction um, between like, it's hard to even say communities because like these really aren't even communities. These are all just like, like weird tribal clicks of, it's it's all about the branding of words and how those brands real number one how those brands really just like eat us all up and number two just how many people are like constantly using words <laughs> that they don't really know the meaning of to describe situations that they don't really understand. Yeah. I think I saw a video earlier in this week about uh the etymology of imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I was like, because mm, there was a it was a black woman on there. She was like, Yeah, you know, I was asked to tell me, tell me about, you know, your experience as a black person in imposter syndrome. She was like, You mean the thing that doesn't apply to me? You mean the thing that was put towards like white women of this age group? I was like, Oh, oh, she's like, let's talk about institutional racism for a bit. I was like, Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's it's sort of it's sort of that. And I had this this bit. Because, you know, that sort of talk, it's the you have this sort of like the business parlance that falls into the art conversation that falls into the mm -hmm. nonprofit conversation. And you just need to hear one or two of those things. You almost want to play bingo or or some type of game when you hear those things. And you hear someone talk about these spaces and and I, I used to do it all the time in like the office day job. And it's like, you know, soup to nuts. Uh, when the rubber meets the road, when I hear any of these sort of like business platitudes, I'm like, I, I don't, I don't want to be in this meeting anymore. You're not, you haven't said anything. You used a lot of words, but you haven't said anything. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's just like, damn, that's what y'all be doing here. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, even though it's like, like, it's always the same like rinse and repeat like really especially when, like we get to like the nonprofit space it's like it's always the same rinse and repeat and it's like oh mm -hmm. oh okay you you one of those you, you okay i got you um 
And then it's like, bro, like, why, why are we even using this type of language? This all just feels so aggressive. Like, it feels weird being like, oh, well, I'm a creator. And someone's like, oh, like TikTok. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had a, I'm like, I had a... I'm like, you know what? Me right. I'm I have never been deserving of love. And you have just reminded me of that, that I do not deserve love, respect, or any sort of appreciation. And they're like, yeah, no, nah, but like, nah, bro, you gotta get on TikTok. Like, no. <laughs> like, but like, how are you gonna like sell art if you're not on TikTok? Or oh, you know my favorite word. How are you gonna scale? What what is your plan to scale? So like, can I just do this? Really, a really funny word because I, as someone who does like a lot of um, economic development work uh, that I won't really tell too much about because I um, don't know how much I have to get approved before I talk too much about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's an honest answer. <laughs> I mean, you know, I can't stop the bag. You know, I just I just bought a house earlier this year. It's looking nice. The, I got dogs. The food is expensive. Okay, the 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 food they got the science stuff in it with the with the the cage free stuff. It's expensive. <laughs> it's expensive. So I'm not I'm not going I'm not going block my blessing. I mean, and, I'm just stirring um, my ramen noodles for my cat. You know, you know, <laughs> as as any good drug dealing uh, creative in Baltimore would do. <laughs> it, it's like it's always. Um, funny when I hear the word scale, because one thing I ask a lot of businesses I work with, I'm like, so what is the scaling plan? Like, like, are you comfortable with this being something that's like super intimate where you get to put your hand on every single product, you get to talk to the customer. And I hear a lot of people being like, can I, can I tell you the truth? I'm like, um, yeah, uh, it, it depends. Don't incriminate me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't. Who'd you, like, you, who'd you know, blick? Who'd you blick off? Like, I, I don't need to know that. Like, listen, I work, I work for them people, but like, I'm not them people. So I'll be like, so what do you like? What are you gonna do? And so, so often, like, I hear from businesses all the time, businesses, artists, designers, makers, who are like, you know what? Like, I actually don't want a huge warehouse with 20 employees. That sounds really, really, really bad to me. <laughs> and I'm like. No, like it's okay to feel that way. Like you don't like everything you do does not have to be on like this really grand scale. Like you really don't have to scale at all. Like with the way my practice is like now, yeah. Not scalable in any way, shape, or form that like a traditional CPA firm or like consultant will tell you. <laughs> not at all. And I really like it that way. Yeah, like when I, 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 I'm not a, I'm not against sharing what, what is baked into me creating what I create or what have you. In fact, I'm doing some classes and stuff and helping young podcasters get their thing off the ground. And I think that's really cool to do that. But when it comes to it, I, I don't have too many people inserting themselves into what my thing is because mm -hmm. then it's just unsolicited advice and, inevitably something gets through you're like damn yeah. maybe i should start doing this this way and should start doing it that way but there are certain things that it's like this is why i enjoy it and i remember at a point where you have to kind of recalibrate and see like all right when i'm creating what do i like about the stuff that i'm doing and get back to that like really doing that sort of self-inventory and going back and it's like, this is why I'm making this. It's not to talk to this cloudy person or that cloudy person. Cause you know, analytics, right? We live and die with the numbers sometimes. It's like, man, I got three listens. Damn, this sucks. Well, I guess I got to look at this episode, maybe bring that person back on and maybe this will help me. No, you just, you just keep doing it. And yeah, you just keep going. And that's the, but that goes into the scaling conversation. Like, yo, you know, I've talked to a few different entities here and, you know, they'll ask, like, what are your numbers looking like? And I'll give them a real answer. And I've said this before. I'll talk to people in the radio industry. Wow, those are great numbers. I'll talk to people in the sort of fund, uh, the funding industry, if you will, potential funding party. Uh, it dies on the vine. And it's like, I don't know if this is scalable. You know, so it's, it's kind of that. And, yeah, but it's like when, when you're also talking to people who like have very, who don't think who don't think who think very narrow-mindedly because they're like they're every point of reference they have is typically like a book 
from a college class that he didn't want to be in at a school they really don't want to go to. And it's like, oh, okay. It's like, you're not, you don't really be in the field. Like, you don't, like, you don't, you don't be outside the ground. like that. <laughs> right. You don't be outside like that. Because it's like, when I, especially like with someone in your position with so much content at this point, it's like, if you look at that and you're like, this isn't scalable. It's like, no, your branding, whatever branding and communications leg you have is just not there. Mm-hmm. And also it's like, Somebody gonna buy this. Yeah. Somebody somebody gonna buy it. And I think too, where a lot of artists, especially like a, a lot of artists, people work in the creative field who um now have to like be like it's like it's like artists who like and who like are like, I'm gonna do this as a business. It's like, okay. And then they like hang you out of a car window by your ponytail and like hit the gas pedal. <laughs> what is it? What is it? A uh, creative entrepreneur. It's so it's this book I've been into and it's kind of ties to it. And it brings me to that next question I have for you. It's kind of this, this, this book, uh, death of an artist. And they talk about when you start merging these different lanes and you should, but it's like, you have to do it in a way that w- what I'm taking from it in a way that feels natural. And yeah know that you're going to make mistakes but when someone comes there and say this is what the toolkit is for you to be a creative entrepreneur or combining business and art because for so long those are oil and water they're not supposed to be together or oil and vinegar yeah. probably oil and vinegar no those taste good together oil and vinegar taste good together oil and water that's a better scenario um and i i think there's a version of it it's like in college when you have uh this is biology for like an english major you know what I mean? It's like, this isn't the one for the doctors. It's like, you'll get the stuff, you'll understand it, but you're not going to be a doctor. You're, you're going to write poetry or whatever. So in, in terms of like your your essence, like your, your background as a creator, your background in, you know, the sort of arts facilitations and just, you know, your experience, what do you want to like be able to offer the community from your vantage point and being a person that's like, it's like the hair club for men thing, right? Not only am I a, a, a member, I'm also the president, you know, it's kind of that <laughs> sort of vibe or what have you. So what do you want to um, offer within the community? I, it feels weird even thinking about it as an offering, but I'm just here to be me. Um, I think something that um, I think about a lot is, um, it's really what I think about kind of nonprofit as a whole in my place at nonprofits is it's like, well, what works better with um I guess like helping the people or working towards the people? Is it trying to like just slap band-aids on gunshot wounds or like or is it showing them like what life could be like when the wounds heal? Or when the bleeding stops and that's the kind of things i think about like i'm not trying to like mobilize you i'm not trying to sell you on like a narrative or i'm not trying to to give you a, a lens to look at you know sell the words you through. like i don't like i'm not anyone's authority i'm not i'm i keep no gate i'm not trying to um lead anyone in a certain direction i'm just showing you how I'm existing in in real time and how putting my thoughts, feelings, tastes mm-hmm. and ideas forward in the way that works best for me is turning out. Cause I feel like that's what I learn from other people is I don't really I don't really like that's why classes don't do that well for me. Like cause I don't really like I don't know. I'm not really it's hard to sell me on a lot. But being like hey listen this is what it actually is i'm looking at how you move i'm looking at how you speak how you walk how you talk and i'm like okay that's what it actually is yeah yeah yeah. that's what it actually could be i feel like that's kind of my place um really because like i've been on the internet long enough to see like how those types of things play out and also i also see and having like worked in the fashion industry for a little bit and working in nonprofit industry and working in uh, the arts industry. It's like, you see what it looks like when everything is a fabrication. You see what's going on. You're constantly around people who need a vacation every two weeks because they're living a life that isn't sustainable. Uh And 
one thing I've always kind of kept in mind is that is that you'll be able to stay in place more and stay present more if you're not building and sustaining a life you have to run away from. And that's kind of like where I'm at. Like, I don't, when, I don't know, when, especially it's funny too, because like I've had so many people be like, you need to move out of Baltimore. Like you need to go somewhere else, get, get, you know, a different experience and then you could like probably come back and then you know make an impact and in my mind i think hmm, okay i think about it but then i'm 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 like well i'm surrounded by my family who loves me i'm surrounded by a community of people that love me i'm surrounded by places and things that i i go to you know 80 to 300 times a year and still excite me every single time. I plant my feet in soil every morning and I feel the environment around me and I feel the connection I have to this land. I'm always kind of thinking like, no, like, like this is, this is where, this is where I fit in and whatever greater scheme that like the universe or all that is that's going on like this is this is where my piece kind of comes in and I think that's I think that's well said and I think that is an offering right there that that sort of perspective that I think people don't don't hear it enough and we we do this sort of thing of because I've run into it on occasion too as I was you know describing earlier hey you should go in it's like uh, I just kind of want to do it here it's like you know they they make the cheesesteaks the way I like them here and, you know, that's just facts on facts. Um, but also every, you know, thing that I dig, everything that I know and everything that I kind of love is is here. And the motivation behind this is is here. So if I'm leaving, then I'm kind of cutting off a part of myself for what purpose is for what somebody else might want. And if I feel like. I need to do and I feel compelled to do that. And it's a real true feeling. That's that's different than, hey, if you really want to scale this, going back to that, or if you really want to grow this, you got to leave. Baltimore is not a market, you know, that's big enough for you. It's like we're not talking about markets. We're talking about a city. In fact, we're talking about my home. Yeah. Also, it's like, I don't know. Whenever people start talking about things like that, I'm like, you that's because you think like, I don't know. Like a vision. <laughs> like, like I like I try not to get like uh what people will call like super hotepi, but I'm like <laughs> manifest koofy. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, no, that's just like, that's just, that's just the plane you exist in. It's like I'm like, I'm way out of your scope of awareness. Like where I exist at is totally different. And I kind of just like always like I kind of hear it. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. mm-hmm. thanks. Um, and, and I go and I go home to like the most. Listen, my life like I don't know. Okay, I don't know if I can cuss on this. be honest. my life is amazing. My life is really, really, really good. It's really good. Like so good that I'm like, uh, I went to Houston earlier this month for uh, a work trip. It was gone for like four days. I'm not gonna lie. After like day two, I was like, I need to be on Monument Street eating JJ's right now. Like, what am I even? Wow, doing? That's like, great. like what is like what is going on right now? And it's funny the entire time. I think the only time in Houston out that wasn't thinking about. Baltimore was when I went to the the Rothko Chapel. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this kind of this this kind of slaps. Like you won this round, <laughs> you won this round. But in my mind, I was like, man, I gotta get back to Baltimore. Even being in New York, like New York is cool, but like New York is New York. It's not Balt. It's not Baltimore, bro. Like when when I go through the things, the whole way. like this city is like, and, and, and it's funny too because like whenever people talk about um working in like economic development and it's literally seeing how the city is changing and will change within the next 10 years. It's, I'm always kind of like, no, like y'all don't realize it yet, but 
people with money are coming here. Things mm-hmm. things with scale and industry are either here or on their way here. Like I remember having a conversation with um with um John Buscemi one time from uh let me not botch this. Uh, gourmet. I think it was gourmet footwear. Okay. Um and we were just randomly talking and it was at, it was at a panel for a trade show. And um, he was like, yeah, I go to my Dalman mall all the time. And I was like, like what? <laughs> like word? I was like, like, like murder mall. mall, mall? <laughs> he was like, yeah, he was like, I got family in Virginia. And whenever I go see them, I always, I always make sure to go to Baltimore to go to my Dalman. I was like, Word? <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, man. You know, he was like that. F- I used a Foot Locker that's uh, in there. It's actually a really t- like high performing shoe store." Um, he was like, "Yeah, they always got the best stuff." He was like, "And I always get the best chicken boxes when I go to Montauk." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, <laughs> all right." And then there were like some dudes from like uh, from Kith uh, New York's marketing team who were there too, who were like, "Yo, we love Baltimore. Like Baltimore is amazing." I'm like, "Cause being being in the city, you hear especially sometimes from like like the disgruntled and um, mm-hmm. disadvantaged artist community." You hear like, yeah, they they sleeping on us. They don't know what's here. They don't know what we got going on. Like, nah. Like, I'm like, you think Baltimore is like this small place on the map, but like, niggas really fuck with Baltimore. (laughs) (laughs) Niggas really like Baltimore. And And I think I think sometimes because we don't have like because it doesn't look like DC. Um, even though I don't really. Mm-hmm. Like the way DC looks from an urban plan, or just from an urban planning perspective. So you know, the moles don't come at me now. Mumbo sauce coming your way, hot. I like mumbo sauce. Yeah, they're gonna be throwing it at you though. If you get it out of pocket. <laughs> I'm sorry, I say I say it uh, uh, respectfully. Respectfully, yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like it. Baltimore is Baltimore has buildings that are still in operation. That were here before the United States was even called the United States. It's right. like this city is crazy. But but that's the thing though. That's the thing where I, I've used this and you know, I and I got I got two more questions for you before I get to those rapid fire ones. But I, okay. I, I definitely want to key in on this. I, I talk about like how there's only two cities outside of Baltimore I really am interested in. I've visited that I would actually relocate to, and it's New Orleans and it's Philadelphia, because I see similarities between the two. To Baltimore. So it's like, I'm just looking for a comparison to Baltimore. It's like Baltimore South, Baltimore a little bit North. And I, I think with it, the comparison of there's so much construction and things that are happening in Philly. I always joke about like, Philly's just a little bit further down this uh, rebrand train than Baltimore is, but we're right behind it. And oh, people and sure. people think I'm full of it. And I was like, no, it's happening. Like I've like left I went up there for something, came back like a year later because I went up there for, um, I think it was like Made in America or something. And then I had like rooftop froze and watching tennis because I felt European. And then I come back to do the same thing a year later. And I was like, yo, there's been a lot of construction. And then I'm back and forth up there now. It's like, it looks very different now. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Philly is crazy. I think Philly is like, I, I feel like we talk, we really talk about underrated i feel like philly is definitely like a super underrated city art the, the art up there is amazing the way um have you ever been to uh bach bar up there i have not i'm gonna put it on the list yes it's like it's like an old vocational high school that got turned into like the place is huge it's like eight stories it was an old vocational high school they basically turned it into like same makerspace doesn't even feel right but like just like the coolest place ever it's like there are so many brands that had offices there there were hair classrooms turned into hair salons school kitchens turned into bakeries i was like and i was looking at the entire i went up there to actually look at like economic development projects like that to see sure. how that could like translate here in baltimore and i'm like if there's any more perfect place for this to happen it's baltimore i don't know 
listen, don't clock me on the more perfect thing. I know it wasn't grammatically correct. <laughs> but especially when I think about initiatives that are happening right now, like the 21st Century Schools Project, and it's like all these schools that are being closed, a little like some elbow grease. We could turn this into like, we could rezone this industrial mm-hmm. and provide some really good space for a lot of really good brands to like scale into. But, you know, everything, especially when we talk about economic development, everything is, like, inherently political in some way. So it's, like, it's always about, like, I don't know, like, thinking about, like, Dr. Claude Anderson, uh, the author of Poweronomics, and him being, like, it's all about who bought the politician. That is, that's, that's a thing. I like that. I like that. Because you see these interests out there, you see kind of, like, you know, who... Because people are very overt about it, I think, at times. It's like, who's the person that's helping write the book? Who's the person that's there in that sort of sphere? And it's like people, I, I think, I've had a, I've had a lot of conversations recently with folks in the film industry. And, and that's an industry that's very relationship-oriented. Mm. And that's mm. that's what what's-name is, right? That's, that's kind of what the whole politics thing is. It's like, who's who's the relationship? And, you know, it's just like, how do who's the kingmaker? So it's a, some sense of... A person's like policies, their their interests, their goals, whatever. It's like no, somebody is helping you kind of get off, get to that next level, or what have you. So we use that terminology in like, you know, uh, I guess ascension in that way, and in, in politics in that way, and going back in the Game of Thrones sort of way of like how these things happen. So if that idea exists, then people aren't just getting it based off the strength of what they're what they're about. You know, it's like who's around them, who's funding it. You know, the person that has the most money, they have the better chance of winning. Yeah. Also, it's like it's really thinking about like the path you choose um, and the perspective on that, because it's like when you think about what's the better way to, I guess, like enact political change. Is it is it like joining city council or is it starting a business that will accrue enough revenue for you to build lobbying power on like a, on a local level. It's like, which one, yeah. you know, it, it, it's like, it's two completely different paths that could give you two very different results. Right. Right. Uh, so here, here's the, here's the last real one, actually. Cause I think I got one of my answers there actually. Uh, so I, I, I saw this when I was going through the YouTube because, you know, I call it the YouTube because I'm an old person. Uh, tell me about obstacles, because um, I, I remember that was a thing. Um, I was I was listening in about um, kind of the shift. Uh, I remember it was your uh, your site, your, uh, your 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 studio and all that good stuff. So in talking about obstacles, how do you approach them? Describe an obstacle that comes to mind. that has been very impactful in your professional, your like art journey. <laughs> I think my biggest obstacle is even still that I'm still like doing a lot of like personal, personal work um, around like my perception is, is, is believing that is believing that the value of my work isn't dependent <laughs> on the color of my skin and like whatever, like trauma narrative can be attached to it. I think that's probably something I'm still like really navigating is why I, I feel like so much of my my newer work has been so in the way I've in the ways I've been working have been so different. Because I think for so long what used to alienate me from really just like the art industry as a whole was that like everyone wanted that narrative. Like everyone wanted your mom to be like a crackhead who was like smoking away her food stamps. And it's like bro like come on like I don't want <laughs> Number one, like that's not even how I view my life, and um, I, also to be clear, my mom was not a crackhead who was smoking. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's like when, when um, I don't know. It just feels like, especially with creative industries, like they really do not want black people to be happy, like at all. And sometimes when I see, especially like even when I see other artists in the city, um, in the ways they approach their work, and I think what really like makes it feel icky is the is what I see in the eyes of white people who look at their work, and I'm like, oh no, that that's not a good look. 
right. <laughs> that that's not a good look. And and I think um well really even saying like whether it's a good or a bad look is like kind of regressive in its own way. But I it, it's a look that I don't want. Mm-hmm. And I think my life is so much like I said, I have a great fucking life. <laughs> and and I think the times where I can with a certain perspective look back and be like, damn, damn, that kind of sucked was like from someone else's perspective or like from a narrative that I didn't ask for or didn't want. Um, and I think the way I'm working now with like using platforms like YouTube, like um, now being on Patreon. Um, <laughs> yeah. And even the ways I use like Twitter and Instagram, I, I think I'm seeing what it looks like when you like, when you really reshift your like hierarchy of values and put yourself first. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and see, and seeing what that's gotten me so far, I'm like, Oh, so you telling me that I could have just like been me this entire time. And <laughs> it's like, it'd have been cool. Like, cause like you see like other artists and you're like, Oh, well like maybe if I like, you know, what if I, I like, you know, black it up a little bit. You know, what if I this is a this is an abstract portrait of of uh, James Baldwin. Stop. Last moments of uh, uh, uh interaction with a police officer. It's like, Stop it. It's like no, like why, like why? I wish I saw more work from black people that like was about something else other than like white violence. <laughs> I'm like black people do other things except get their ass whooped by the police. It's like give me police talking about something else, please. Like I don't want, I don't want my the fact that I'm black to be the only thing that carries my work. I don't want the fact that you know I'm I'm non-binary to carry my work. I don't want your perception of whoever I sleep with to to carry my work these are all things that i see artists like get so trapped into and i'm like bro you're you're this isn't this isn't number one this isn't like morally correct this feels very like perverted um and not in like in in like a sexual way but like in a very like maleficent like malicious way like this is like this is kind of evil this kind of like I don't know. I don't like it. And I think it does a disservice to to the self. It does a disservice to the spirit when the hyper focus is always um, pain or struggle or like the fact you grew up in the trenches. It's like, no, like this is some artwork that I made when I was really happy. And that's it. It's, it's, It's almost as if you you can't have that sort of thing. Like, and I go back to you mentioned it you know more than once that you are happy with your life yeah and that's the thing that almost comes off as you can't even say that you know what i mean like oh you're happy why are you happy <laughs> why should you be happy it's like you tell someone like oh like no like this is work i've made from a really happy place and i felt really good about it and they're like no but like i can't hang that in my living room and talk to my white friends about that like we don't care about that like tell us Tell us about your mom in the crack pipe. Tell us about that story. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, all right. Um, but then you see so much of how that has kind of like shifted the way things go culturally in the art world, where a lot of work, unless it's about some facet of existence inside of like this atmosphere of white supremacy ideology and responses and rebellions to it like the wahites don't want to hear that they do not want to hear that and the people who are buying work to show off um you know to get social clout points like they don't want to hear that they don't want to hear that you grew up with two parents that actually loved you like that is not i can't talk about that over cocktails okay that's that's gonna be that's gonna pop up in conversation to Wahite. That's gonna, gonna pop up in conversation. It is. It <laughs> you put is. it out there. You put it out there in the universe now. It's I now did. publicly out there. Um I so I think that's I think that's a good spot for us. Um so what I want to do is, you know, kind of wrap this up the way that I always like to wrap things up with these rapid fire questions. 
Okay. And uh, you, you're not going to have any idea where they come from. That's fine. Let's they're all over. They're all over the place. But the, the key thing is, we want to. We, we got to have brevity here. Brevity is key. Uh, but they're ridiculous questions. I've been adding them as we've been talking. So yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm going to start off with this one. What's your favorite word that begins with an S? Shit. You you, you chose four letter. Appreciate it. Uh, what would be a good spy name for you? I think I think about this a lot. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I think about this a lot. And um I always think um how like in uh like ballroom culture, right? Yeah. Um if you if you're not like a part of a house, then you're you're what's called a, a 007. Okay. And in my mind, I always think like, well, if I was a spy or like, you know, like how I like what angle would I hit it from? And I think I would like I want to be like, like agent, like he, she, they, 007. That's amazing. Cause so many, cause so many ideas are going to come to your mind that you're like, I don't think I know what to expect from this. That's, that's think, how, that's how I feel sometimes too. Cause I'm like, you know, be in and also out of the community. I'm like, I don't be knowing what half these words mean. <laughs> I don't be knowing what these words mean. That's funny. So I'm like, I'm like, if I'm this confused, I know other potential spy enemies might also be that confused. And then I'm also like, I'm like, is it healthy that you think this much about this in this way? I, I think, um, I think my spy name would be like the MC or something. Yeah. It has to be crazy. It has to be crazy enough that people like fear it because they're like, I don't know what's coming from this. Mm, but like, you know, when people hear, when when people hear like. Like he, she, they, they'd be like, oh, you be doing that pronoun stuff. So they don't know, <laughs> oh, how, you, they don't know how you about to come. I like how you've worked it down two things that you said pre-pod yeah. in this conversation. You're like, I don't think yeah. I should talk about this. I'm going to work it in there. I don't care. Yeah, because then you like, because you're like, oh, you be doing that pronoun stuff. I'm like, you might lose your job. You might lose your house. Like, you don't know how I'm coming. You might have to delete your Twitter. Like, you don't know what's about to happen when I come in the building. So here's the next one. Here's the next one. We got two left. Two left. Uh, this I'm going to save the most ridiculous one for later. This one is is similar, and it may have a similar title to your your spy name. Uh, what would be the title of your autobiography? Because you talked about your Oprah sit down earlier. So obviously there's going to be an autobiography that accompanies that. You'd be up there like giving your book away or something. I think it would be called Yeah No He Didn't Go to Jail. Here's the last one I got for you. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That was a ridiculous question, but also you answered it right. So with that, uh, I want to thank you for for being on this podcast and chopping it up with me, sharing your thoughts, your musings, and and indulging the rapid fire questions. And um, with that, I want to um, invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check out you, your work, social media, uh, website, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Yes. Um... Hi, I'm Brian Sudia, and you just listened to an entire uh, piece of media of me discussing things. And um, if you are interested in hearing more about, you know, the work I do, who I am, um, I can be found mainly at sudiastudio.com, S-U-R-Y-A-H-S-T-U-D-I-O.com. Or also on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Sodia Studio. I'm also on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter, but you know, we're trying to like we're trying to we're trying to promote platforms we have equity in. So <laughs> find me over at studiostudio.com or patreon.com backslash Sodia Studio. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Brian Saria for coming on to the podcast and chopping it up with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art in and around your neck of the woods. You just gotta look for it. Oh,